reach for the stars! Conquer mankind's next and greatest frontier. Join the Young Astronaut Program and face the challenge of space exploration. You can take part in exciting space-related educational activities such as games, contests, and field trips based on monthly NASA space shuttle missions. As a young astronaut, you'll probe the secrets of space and study the science of the stars. Young Astronaut Program chapters are being formed now at schools all across the country. Boys and girls between the ages of 6 and 16 are invited to join. If there's no chapter at your school yet, ask your teacher or school principal to request information on starting a Young Astronaut chapter by writing to the Young Astronaut Council, Suite 905-1015, 15th Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20005. The universe is waiting. Captain America is a trademark of the Marvel Comics Group. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jap and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. R to the A, N to the D, O to the M, you know what I mean, it's banter. It's random banter. Random banter time, buddy. What's going on in your life? Let's see here, this last weekend, uh, I think I was rumming it up and being a pirate. Arg. Yep, I was there. It was fun. Yeah, but I was being more piratey than you. You were very piratey. Because I was very piratey. Yeah, you were quite pirated. I was like, hey, I could put on a costume or I could uh, tend my baby. Hey, yeah. I could stay up and drink uh, booze with my friends or I could tend to my baby. Hey, guess what I did? I t- spent a lot of time hanging out with my baby. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. I took care of it, though, because I think I did drink all of the rum. Yeah, you kind of, <laughs> kind of did. You, in fact, did. Any interesting thing besides that for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know how we, uh, you know, in our last episode, we interviewed June Brigman. Yay! Yay! And how awesome that was. Well, while we're doing that, I'm like, oh, man, I am. I must just be super uh, nervous about interviewing June because I'm just, I can't concentrate on what she's saying. I can't read. I'm just feeling dizzy in my chair. I must be super nervous about this interview. Uh, it's not that. It turns out that I was teething. Go on. Okay. Well, as you see, because a hand handful of days before we went to a library function where it's like oh you know kids playing uh-huh. together and science reading books and all sorts of sure stuff. and one of the kids that we were playing with uh just a drool snot monster just coming out the front of this kid's face and the mom was all like oh don't worry he's just teething and we're like oh, okay he's teething that's fine so a handful of days later everybody in the household came down with the teething ah. and i was uh, thinking that i was over it when we were doing the interview but it turns out that i was ready for round two of the teething so i'm super excited to get my uh, adult onset new teeth to replace some of the ones with fillings and stuff in them. I think that's going to be really cool. They haven't popped out yet, but uh, Aurora did get a new tooth during that time frame. So. Good, good. I, I'm just going to bring it back to the pirate thing and say mm-hmm. once again, uh, I think it was just scurvy. It may have been scurvy. Yeah, there was some good scurvy. So yeah, so I felt... Teething ba- scurvy? Hey, it works. Yep, stuff was falling out. No, that, nothing was no, falling out. Nothing, stuff was well, it fell in. out before. Yeah. Now it's coming back in. Hey, so. there we go. Yeah, it's, it was just... Uh, yeah, during the interview, I'm just like, I what was just said, I better read a thing and say something. I was just... I was a wreck. Don't worry, because um, apparently in the interview my daughter took care of your questions that was good yeah. that was good i'm glad that carrie was there to step up and be the adult in the room for me i needed adult supervision and carrie provided it yes <laughs> you know but it could have been worse you could own 10 cats i could own 10 cats but luckily 
I don't own 10 cats. So things are going pretty good. Okay, enough of this malarkey because we got to get on to this show because there is a lot of stuff in this book. It's a great book and it features my favorite characters, the X-Men. So I'm going to get to this. And my favorite characters, the absolutely everybody else in the Marvel Universe. No, just the Morlocks. Just the Morlocks. Jeff, can you please give us a two-sentence replay of this last episode so we can get on to this episode? Power Pack follow a terrified kitten down into the sewers where they get washed away by a rainwater flood and must survive the dark, being separated, and the relentless attacks of a sewer gator swarm. They do escape their ordeal and rescue the kitten, but fail to notice that Jack was a super big meanie poophead to Julie many times and that a mysterious figure has stolen their book bags and wants to make them into Morlocks. Now that the Jack was really a jerk in this issue two sentence replay is over why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is my pleasure my friend what i got coming here for you is kind of special you've very spoke, interesting you've spoke this one up i'm kind of interested to see what yeah, it is it's very interesting but i want you to describe it and everything else but don't guess about how it matches the book because we are going to hold on to those guesses until at the end when we rank the beer okay. and see if you can figure out my three ways I tie this into the okay. book. Okay. Have... One should be pretty obvious yeah. though. I would like to present you with Okay. Suyobi no Neko. Okay. <laughs> it's a Belgian style wheat ale. Or no, Belgian style white ale. Five percent alcohol by volume. And can you explain what you're seeing? Uh, I'm looking at a lot of uh, I think it's kanji. Yes. Okay, it's, uh, oh, the name of it is Wednesday Cat, Belgian-style white ale made for your over-the-hump day, product of Japan, brewed and canned by Yoho Brewing Company, Nagano, Japan, and it's imported into Seattle, Washington, and, uh, okay, oh, 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 there's an actual cat on it. <laughs> I did not see the cat. This is an interest. this can is, it's not got a lot going on with it, but it's deceptive in what it is. What color is the can? It is like a sky blue. With some checkers at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And, checkers and, on the can and let's describe and this cat. It is, it's like a quilted cat. <laughs> or it's like a, a nightmare version of a cat you have when you're in a fever dream. It's <laughs> Basically, it looks like a, a big, long tube sock, and it's got a red section of face and a blue section of face and two different colored kind of button eyes and like a blue polka dot right ear and a candy corn striped left ear. This thing's, I don't know, it, it might make like a cute kid's thing, like a sock puppet toy, but I don't think I'd want it in my house if it was an actual cat. <laughs> It'd be like Hypnotoad. It would just stare into your soul and make you long for a better existence. <laughs> I will say this. I got a little bit more off the internet. It's spiced with orange peels and coriander seeds. Mm. This Belgian white ale has a light citrus note and a smooth finish that comes from wheat. This meowsome beer will help you get through the rest of the week. <laughs> meowsome. <laughs> oh, you with their puns. Oh, funny beers. You know what I want out of you. Laughter and booze. It's a golden wheat ale. Yeah, uh, definitely can taste the coriander. Yeah. Not tasting the orange, really. No, but there's some citrusy in there. Yeah, there there's is a little citrusy. citrusy. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. This would be this is a really good uh, hot weather beer. Yeah, and considering that Portland, Oregon right now resembles a the inside of an oven. Yeah. With and, the heat and the smoke from the fires and the no wind. And I think that we are behind Seattle for the worst air quality in the world right now. Yeah. So come on, Oregon, step up your game. <laughs> We gotta. We're better than Seattle. We're better than Seattle, Portland. <laughs> no, this is a nice summer beer. It's gonna be nice and cool for tonight. Yeah. No, this. It's very refreshing. It has nice bubbles in it. Um, and, and I think this will help us get over the hump. 
yeah, I think it will help us get over the hump of not having a beer. Considering today is a Wednesday. Oh my goodness, it is a Wednesday. I think you might have just given uh, <laughs> away one of the three. I may have given away one of the yeah, three. Yeah, because I'm like, I can guess one of them already, <laughs> but three? And now, the opening credits, if you please, sir. Power Pack, issue number 12, July 1985, Underground. Credits, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by June Brigman, inked by Bob Wycheck, colored by Glennis Oliver, lettered by Joe Rosen, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Featuring Alex Power, a.k.a. G, oldest power sibling at 12, has the ability to increase or decrease the gravity of objects he touches. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling at 10, has the ability to fly very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her, voiced by my wife. Jack Power, a.k.a. Mass Master, second youngest power sibling at 8, has the ability to control his molecular density, voiced by Jeff. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, youngest power sibling at 5, has the ability to disintegrate matter, turning it into energy, which she can expel into power balls, voiced by my daughter. Splash page, splash page, splash page, splash page. Here's the splash page loaded up with cars and power pack too. Everything you want to read, we've got inside for you. Oh, uh, what was that? Look, your daughter is one. Just wait for another year or two and you will... you'll know. So, anyway, the Power Kids are flying down the street in the dark. They forgot their backpacks in the sewer, so they decided to sneak out and go on a night hunt in a dank sewer for their lost property. With a kitten. Yeah, what's up with that? Why is Katie carrying this orange kitten? This was the MacGuffin from the last issue. Apparently, their mom is allergic, so they're going to find a random stranger to throw it at. <laughs> you really don't like cats, do you? I really don't. You see, my wife wanted a cat, I wanted a dog, so we compromised. And we have three cats instead. <laughs> That's a compromise, all right. Did you do it by, like, just wait? No, I'm still married to her. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, a mid-sized dog's worth of cats. No, the compromise but... is I'm still married to okay. her. <laughs> no, I guess that works. That works. All right. The kids find the manhole cover from last issue, and they prepare for their subterranean satchel scavenger search. Julie comments... And I still say I heard music, Jack. And some of those alligators were wearing collars. And then Jack retorts, You're out of your gourd, Julie. You were so scared you were hallucinating. Be that as it may, they were all scared. And they realized that they need more practice. Katie powers up and starts glowing while Alex lifts the manhole cover. And Jack clouds into the sewer. Julie is on kitten duty. Jack starts to complain about not being able to see. And the light bright Katie stands over the hole and says, Oh! Right, pig nose. Can you see them now? Jack reports that the rucksacks have run off, so they climb down into the dark sewer tunnel, where they know there are alligators. At night. You know, none of those words make me happy when they're together. And I hate to ask, should we insert a song here? Insert song indeed. Back in the sewers, again in the sewers, ah, power packs in the sewers again. Well, all the kids can confirm that that was horrible, and that the sewer is sand satchels, but sufficiently stinky and sound somehow symphonic. Symphonic? Yeah, they start hearing some piping music as the manhole closes above. Clang a clang. And the page closes on the kids being accosted by a very odd and creepy looking quartet, with one of them asking if they can take them now. This group of Morlocks is here to kidnap you. You'll live in the sewers till your lives are through. Dun, dun, dun! 
Elsewhere in the sewer system... Clown is creeping around with an evil smile and a red balloon. Well, thanks a lot. Now I'm not going to sleep tonight. We all degrave down here. Moving on, we come across three more shadowy figures navigating a cluttered and partially blocked tunnel, discussing the Morlocks and why they don't clean up their mess. Time for a bit of a break for our non-Marvel or X-Men friends out there, because it's time for Rick to unload a whole bunch of explanation to people. X-Men, roll call! Let's talk about these three figures first. One is a teenage girl named Kitty Pride, aka Shadowcat, a mutant and a member of the X-Men. She has the ability to become intangible and make other objects intangible as well. She uses her power to walk through solid objects. She's extremely bright, intelligent, spunky, and friendly. Walking next to her is Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler. Born in Germany and raised in a circus, this member of the X-Men has very recognizable, non-human features. He is covered with short, dark blue fur, has pointed ears and a tail. His fingers and toes are long, but he has only three on each of his appendages. They, his tail, and flexible, slim body make him very acrobatic and able to grasp any surface. He also has the ability to teleport short distances. There is a BAMF sound followed by the smell of sulfur and brimstone. Although demonic in appearance, Kurt has a kind soul, a friendly demeanor, and the personality of a swashbuckler. Sitting on Kitty's shoulder is a small dragon called Lockheed. There have been many arguments made about whether Kitty is Lockheed's pet or the other way around, but this little flying fire breather is definitely Kitty's best friend. These three have been navigating the blocked passages and traps that have been set up by the Morlocks, the inhabitants of these tunnels in the New York underground. The Morlocks are a group of mutants who have walked away from humanity and are living together. Most have severe physical mutations, preventing them from living in public and are hiding out of fear. They are led by a woman called Callisto. Callisto is a real hardcore warrior who has a serious punk rock, one-eyed, leather-clad look, and who barely tolerates the X-Men's presence. Unfortunately, during a recent encounter with the mutant superhero team, Callisto fought the X-Men leader Storm and lost. Big time. Like, embarrassingly. Storm allowed Callisto to manage affairs for her, which was kind of nice of her. That was some serious X position there. Groan. <laughs> But I would have summed it up with the Morlocks thusly. All-age mutant sewer dwellers, all-age mutant sewer dwellers, all-age mutant sewer dwellers. They are called the Morlocks. They're abhorrent. I see what you did there. Well, the X-Men arrive and start to exchange pleasantries with the underground-dwelling denizens. Also, there is a delivery of gifts and letters to some of the more well-known residents. One of them is Caliban. He is a very pale and bald man who speaks in first person. In an earlier story, the Morlocks had tried to force Kitty to marry him. But after the X-Men expressed their displeasure at this, and Storm delivered a serious smackdown on Callisto, as explained above, Kitty and Caliban developed a friendship. She has brought him a sushi shirt from Japan, which he just loves. The cool thing about the shirt is that he holds on to it for many years. Through Louise Simonson's run on X-Factor, where he shows up next. Also... If you have seen the movie Logan, that Caliban in that film is based on this character. Wait a second. Isn't this a power pack issue? This is way too much X-Men. Oh, right. Well, the kids are dealing with three other Morlocks who we also need to introduce. <sighs> no, 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 no. Yep. We need to describe and explain these guys. I'll describe, you define. Let's start with this old guy with the jaunty cap and the gray Abe Lincoln beard. He has a pipe and is flanked by gators. I'm assuming he is the guy responsible for the walking belt factories. Yep, meet Piper. He has zoopathy and can psionically control animals through the music he plays on his pipes. Next. Okay, big broad bloke, wearing a toque on his head, purple vest, and green pants and shirt. He has a real vacant expression on his face. 
that would be Ape. He's not too bright, but he can morph his body into some complex shapes, mostly at the suggestion of his friends. Okay, this is good. Up next, tall dude with the eraser head hair, punk clothes, and a pirate eye patch. Erg. E-R-G. He can absorb energy and refocus it back out through his good eye. That sounds familiar. But what about this last guy? He seems to have a thick black ichor all over his arms and head. And he has these Lisa Simpson tile black hair spikes. Yeah, so the kids are surrounded by these three guys. Hey, and who's the fourth one I just asked about? Tar Baby. What? Tar Baby. Uh, what? Tar Baby, okay? This is a really problematic character called Tar Baby. His pores excrete tar and everything can stick to him. This is one of those bad ideas that were created in the past that just don't work well in this progressive present. I have a big problems with his design, his name, the characterization, and just pretty much about everything about him. But we're kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah, didn't mean that. But we're stuck with him for a few issues. How about we give him a better code name so we can reference him without feeling icky? How about... Uh, how about tape? Okay, that's good. That's fine. We'll call him Tape. Well, Tape informs the kids that they are trapped by saying a sing-songy rhyme, which is another part of the characterization that I've got a little problem with, but it's enough of a threat for the powers as they launch themselves at these four men. Katie shoots off a fireball, which Erg easily catches, converts, and uses to zap Alex, knocking him unconscious with the blast from his electric eye. You caught it, but nobody's done that before. Huh. This 80s punk rocker is definitely a fan of the priest. Huh? Judas Priest. Huh? It's a band. Huh? It's a band that has a song called Electric Eye. Tell you what, don't worry about it. Let's just get back to this one-sided fight explanation. Okay. After knocking out Alex, Erg tells Katie that after she lives amongst them for a while and proves her worth, that he will train her with her power use. But first, it's sleepy time tea land, and with that, he knocks her out. Jack tries to take out Tape with his 60-pound jackhammer and gets stuck in Tape's sticky hair. Ew. Julie starts smack-talking Jack, saying... Talk about needing practice, Mass Master, you dope, go cloudy. And then gets trapped inside Ape, who has just changed into a jar. Thunk. Julie did mention that Jack should go cloudy, so he does, and as he comes to rescue Julie, Tape drops another sick rhyme. Like Teflon coating clouds don't stick, better make a funnel quick. And Ape turns his mouth into a funnel and sucks the cloud into the jar with his sister. Let's pull apart a few sections of this fight. First, we find out that Ape is really not that smart. He only turned into a jar and funnel after a rhyme and tape mentioned it. Yeah, he even states that he only turns into things that others suggest. Also, Julie mentions that she is really distracted by the kitten, who is perched on her shoulder like a pirate's parrot, digging its claws into the rainbow flyer's skin. See? Cats are ungrateful and evil. Well, the good news is that Jack didn't get knocked unconscious this time. Progress! <laughs> the kids just got dismantled by these Morlocks. In the aftermath, Alex and Katie are bagged up and the kidnappers march away, mentioning that this will make her happy and get rid of that rotten little leech. More on that later, because our two stories are about to cross like proton pack streams in front of Zool. You're right. Except for that really clunky Ghostbusters reference, our kidnappers walk out of their tunnel just after Callisto, Shadowcat, Nightcrawler, Lockheed, and Caliban walked by. Unfortunately for the captors, an interested Lockheed flies over and starts pestering the walking jar boy. Ape, being a few sandwiches short of a picnic, pulls off his lid slash head to swat at the distracting and detecting dragon. This frees the two family flyers who flee fast. Nightcrawler has noticed this action before the door to the tunnel shuts. Slam. Caliban provides some insight into that group. They are known as the Drain Dwellers, a subgroup of the Morlocks. They live together with Leech and Annalee. Something else very important is said. Recently, Annalee, another Drain Dweller, lost her children. They were murdered on the streets. 
This was something the X-Men heard about. Caliban mentions that because of that, there are no kids left in the Morlock Tunnels, so we've just taken a bit of a dark turn. Meanwhile... The kidnapping creeps have caught up with the kids. Jack and Julie have learned some lessons following the loss earlier, and Jack leads his sister into an effective attack. Jack hammers the back of Erg's head, and to be honest, I think that would flat out kill a person. Jack doesn't seem too bothered by it, so let's just say that he incapacitated Erg. And he scored enough bonus points that he woke up and freed Alex. Thud. While Julie shoves Piper, who drops Katie. Thud. The kids move fast towards the exit, escaping the eerie evil exiles. Their flight looks good till their powers stop and they collapse to the sewer floor. And we meet three new people. Not more people to introduce. Make it stop. Nope. Fine. The thin lady in a patched and worn fashion dress, long gloves, a hat, veil, and a fur stole and a cigarette. Beautiful dreamer. She can use the smoke from her cigarette to replace people's memories through the worst hot boxing ever. And she possibly gives them cancer too. Nice. Secondhand smoke powers. That's great. Next is an older lady with her hair covered in a patched orange apron. This is the Anna Lee we have been hearing about. Her children were recently murdered, which is doubly bad because she has empathy powers. Whatever she feels, she projects out to others. So if she is sad or angry or depressed, so is everyone else. And after the brutal slaying of her children, sadness and depression is pretty much her default setting. Well, that has to really suck for everyone. What about this green thing? A character dressed in a cloth sack who has green skin, no hair on an elongated head, bumps over most of his body, very alien, very green. This is one of my favorite kid characters after Power Pack. This is Leech, and this is one of the lowest moments in his life. He is a young boy, probably the same age as Katie. He is illiterate, and he can barely speak. We can assume that he has been abandoned and ignored because of his extreme physical mutation. He also has the power of canceling anybody else's power within his vicinity. This is the reason why the power's powers have stopped powering. It is also the reason why Anna Lee is not projecting her extreme emotions on everyone. But Anna Lee hates Leech. He is nothing like the beautiful children she has lost. Speaking of Leech, he has picked up the kitten that has been hanging with the powers, and they seem to be hitting it off. Now that the kids can't do anything, we find out what is happening. The Drain Dwellers are sick of Annalise's sadness and being forced to be around Leech, who turns their powers off. And their solution is to steal her some new kids, which is apparently the American way. Question mark? Well, it is a special kind of legal. You see, they have this five-step plan. One, use Dreamer to change their memories. Two, bring in a scary character called Mask, who can change their physical features to alter the kids' looks. Three, find a world. Four, something. Five, profit. You made up the last three, but narf. While they're waiting for Mask, Jack breaks out his Cub Scout mastery of, quote, untying knots used in kidnappings, unquote, to free himself and the others. You know, I've got that merit badge too. Yeah? How's that working out for you? Not so great in my normal day-to-day. -day. I keep trying to use it to escape from work, but my boss is better at tying those knots than I am at untying them. But if I ever get kidnapped by Morlocks, I'm set. Meanwhile, Shadowcat and Nightcrawler have left Caliban and are making their way back to where they saw the Drain Dwellers. Kurt saw that something odd was going on and wants to investigate. Unfortunately, they cannot use their powers to get in the door because Leech is in the next room, and he's negating their abilities. Back inside, Mask has shown up, and ooh. Boy, Mask is worse looking than Leech, with a face full of melted skin. You can also tell that Mask is a pretty big jerk because he immediately terrifies Katie by asking if she wants to look like Mask, while doing the gonna get ya hands. But don't you fear, the kids have freed themselves and they have a plan. Julie pushes Leech over. Good plan. There's more to the plan than that. 
She grabs the kitten from Leech and heads down a tunnel, with Leech following close behind, uttering the sad soliloquy of, No. Lonely. Come back. Once Leech has left the tunnel, Power's on! Shadowcat falls through the door. Jack clouds up. A tied-up Alex floats. Katie blasts a powerball at Mask. Anna Lee hits everyone with a misery. And Ape apes a Pac-Man, cause that's what tape rhymed him to do. Oh, and Erg is there too. Looks like he survived that non-fatal jackhammering to the back of the head. Alex aggrieves Ape after attaining ascension, appropriately avoiding an altercation and Ape's apprehending attack. Ape's approved alteration attained in Alex's apparent amusement and abasement. Alas, Ape's action attained an absolute anti-apropos. Alliteration. What? Alex floated out of Ape's reach and then made fun of him. Oh, then he took out Piper, who was chasing Katie by falling on him. Then she disintegrates Alex's bonds while Jack continues to wait for his turn in the initiative order, which appears to be sometime after Kurt and Kitty's. Next time, Jack will remember to add his cloud bonus to his roll. The X-Men confront the Dwellers and introduce themselves to Power Pack. Erg is not impressed and does not stop the attack. And we get some excellent X-Action. Nightcrawler does some acrobatics and knocks out Ape from behind. Shadowcat and Massmaster trick Tape into attacking and sticking to a wall. Energizer catches a blast from Erg and saves Nightcrawler, who in turn knocks Erg out. Finally, Jack hammers onto the pipe from Piper's palms, preventing a plethora of bats. Hooray! And then Julie and Leech return. Julie has a heart-to-heart with Anna Lee. She has figured out the story, and she explains that the Power Kids have parents, and they cannot just become her kids, or their parents would be as lonely and sad as she is. And it would be illegal. I'm pretty sure the Morlocks don't care about that. I mean, they don't have a mannequin lawyer like we do. Seriously, your basement is weird, but not as weird as the Morlocks' tunnels. Julie points out that if Anna Lee really wants someone to love, that Leech is lonely, and he wants to be loved, and he needs love. Anna Lee shoots that down. She does not want an ugly child. She wants her pretty darling. Alex responds, Well, you can't have us. As they get ready to leave, Leech tries to return the kitten. Here, yours, take. To which Julie says, No, Leech, we decided you keep him. You love him. Remember, the X-Men's leader is the one who is in charge of the Morlocks, and Nightcrawler is ready to blow the whistle on these shenanigans to Callisto or to Storm. Piper, returning the kids' book bags, pleads their case. Anna Lee has literally driven them to madness. Kitty is persuaded and is afraid the Morlocks would throw them out, causing more misery and possibly death. Instead, Nightcrawler promises to write to Storm to find out what she thinks. As the X-Men walk the powers home, they tell them that there's a certain school that they go to that is in a certain part of upstate New York that certain types of people go to that would be available to teach them. But the kids turn them down. The parents do not know about their powers, and they're happy where they're at. As the kids fly off, Kitty muses that the kids in Power Pack make her feel old. She feels that they should do something for them, but what? They decide that they will call Professor Xavier in the morning and ask him what he thinks. After all, what trouble could the Power Pack get into before the morning? And so, the kids go home, and it is late. Katie crawls into Julie's bed, quoting the end line of Terminator, saying that a storm is coming. Julie comforts her little sister, saying that it is always better to be horrible together than horrible alone. Good speech, sis. Way to make the kid feel better. She also says, And now Leech has someone to love, too, even if it is only a cat. I just wish Annalie wasn't so... (laughs) Oh, which is pretty darn cute. But I will tell you what is creepy. Annalie looking up from the street, saying... There's their light up there. Annalise, little darlings, fast, fast asleep. Don't worry, my little pretties. Mommy's watching over you, and soon you'll be with me forever. Creepy. Next issue, X-Men number 195 for the conclusion of this story. Yep, it's time for our first crossover. Hooray! With my favorite run and favorite book, The Uncanny X-Men. I love this run by Chris Claremont. It was 
my real collection growing up and everything kind of was built around that, including I think Power Pack. I, I have no doubt in my mind that if I went back and really traced where I started collecting which comic book mm -hmm. first, I know which comic book I started with was an Incredible Hulk with X-Factor. X-Factor led me to X-Men and somewhere in the mix, probably from the crossover event of Fall of the Mutants with X-Factor, I think that's where I started seeing Power Pack show up, mm -hmm. probably, because they were in that one and that's how I found Power Pack. I love the X-Men. We got a crossover. What do you think? I think that's uh, kind of cool. It's kind of it it uh, it fluffs out our uh, allotment of power pack, and we get to see kind of how other writers and artists what their take on the, on the you know this property is. So it's going to be kind of neat to go. Hey, what do you, what do you think the kids look like, and how do you think they behave? Because we we've seen one other artist with uh, Brent Anderson mm -hmm. um, going over to the X Men book next. We're going to have a different art, a different artist. We're going to have a different colorist. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a different writer because yeah. it's going to be Chris Claremont. Okay. Now, Louise Simonson got her got a lot of her chops from being an editor on the X-Men book. So her and Chris Claremont are pretty good friends. And I don't know this for sure, but I think that by having this crossover now, I think that she was able to kind of talk with Chris Claremont. And she trusted Chris Claremont oh, yeah. with her characters in her hand. And I will say, we're getting dark. This is a pretty dark story. It ain't nothing like what's coming up in the X-Men book. That's a dark issue. But I do like seeing how the kids are going to fit into this expanded universe, too. Because, hey, we've got them really interacting with a lot more heroes now. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, the heroes we've seen before. Speaking of the heroes we've seen before, let's talk a little bit more about depression. All right, because everybody that they meet is depressed, save for Spider-Man. <sighs> Yeah, unfortunately so. Um, Even uh, Dragon Man was sad. Dragon Man, Professor Gilbert. Yeah, both of them were sad. They were. Yeah. They, they they weren't uh, as professing of their uh, self-loathing and depression as everybody else was. But uh, still, it was like you had a little sad Dragon Man. He's all he made those oh, noises a lot. That that is a very good point. That is mm -hmm. a very good point. And. I think it once again says something about how much I like this book is because they are confronted with a bunch of people who are much sadder than them and yeah. are much worse off than them. Let's let's face it. These kids do come from privilege. They, yeah, they do time. come from privilege. I don't think at any point in time the characters are shown holding their privilege over the other people. I think it's very interesting that they interact with other people and they're mm -hmm. like, hey, let's find the good in your lives. Yeah. You know, even here at the end. Hey, we can't be your kids. We've got parents. You know, you, you can't just take us because then our parents are going to be sad, too. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sorry for your loss, but you can't just take us. And I know where this story ends. Actually, it ends even better, but they have to get through a lot more grief first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's worse, Annalie or Mar Marina. <laughs> uh, I'd say Annalie. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I mean. Yes, Marina's sad because she found out that she's from an alien race of conquerors, as opposed to just an alien race. Mm -hmm. You know, and so her sad, you know, her thing is like, I come from a race of conquerors, and they travel the starways and just take over planets. Oh, boohoo me! Whereas we have poor Annalie, who has lost her children. Yeah, her children murdered. have been murdered. She lives we, in the sewers, not just in the sewers, the drains of the sewers, where it's kind of like, yeah, well, that's that's the bad part of the sewers. That's where the drain dwellers live. Yeah, yeah, they kind of live in a subsection of, from the rest of the Morlocks. Yeah. I, I think that as a whole, the Morlock community is happy because they're, they as Julie other. said, they're horrible together. Yeah, that's actually what she was referencing. Right. was talking about the Morlocks living together and saying, they... You know, it's probably better to be horrible together than alone because right. at least you have the shared misery and you have people to talk to and you can, you know. You got people uh, you can work with too. Yeah, and share with and uh, support each other with. 
And really, the Morlocks, I mean, for as bad as they are, they are happy together. There are some times that you do see that the you know good things happen with them together. Of course, then <laughs> big big bad things happen. There are also there are bad bad things. I mean, yeah. we're coming up on X Men one ninety five. It's X Men two ten in the series or two oh nine in the series where it starts a little crossover event called the Morlock Massacre. But we won't talk about that yet. No, no. But... The, the the Morlocks are the the. The Morlocks are an interesting group of people. And Anna Lee, I mean, you have somebody who was living quite happily here. Her children are murdered by people who hate mutants. Mm-hmm. So find, you know, you can you do the correlation right there and say that you know her kids were basically lynched. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have any real medical help there. They don't have any therapists that are there to help her out or to, you know, really deal with it. It's They live in a tough society. We're sorry for your last loss, Annalie. Suck it up. Oh, your empathy is driving everybody nuts. Well, here, watch after this other child that nobody else likes, but that can be your medical bandage. Yeah. And Here's Leech. It's less about a medical bandage and more about uh, we don't have to hear you cry about about your suffering. Oh, no, no. She still is crying about it, but we don't have to feel yeah, you, you don't crying. Have to feel it because we can go, huh, close the door, walk away. Everything's good over here in the alley. Mm-hmm. No. But unfortunately for Leech, he looks the way he does yeah and annalee does not want anything to do with that ugly thing no he wants she wants a pretty little ones which is why when the power kids got dropped at her door she was all like beautiful children this is what annalee wants beautiful children to replace her beautiful lost ones right but i gotta say leech is i was not kidding leech is one of my favorite characters leech is a great character he's just uh, man talk about he's had a tough life he's had a very tough life but he's um yeah he's probably about 20 or so issues away from meeting one of his bestest friends forever and ever, and that's Artie Maddox. That's right, Artie. I'm like, oh, I remember a name, I remember a name, I remember a name. And I can't they, remember and, who it is. And they are the two most adorable moppets of the Marvel <laughs> yeah, Universe. They, they really are, are just, yes. I want to introduce a brand new segment. It's time for the Monster Mash. The Monster Mash? The Monster Mash. Let's. There's lots of talk about monsters, so let's go ahead and bring out the monsters. Oh, okay. All right. Because <laughs> we've already talked about Leech. There's Mask, mm-hmm. who's definitely a monster. Katie mentions that Nightcrawler looks like a monster, but he is good. Yes. And then, of course, we still have the kids who are still thinking of themselves as monsters as well, too. I don't not think, as much. Not I don't as much, think, I don't think they're thinking of themselves as monsters at this stage yeah, in, you're the, right, in the you're story. Right, you're, I, right. uh, you're kind of intimating that in the future, maybe they're thinking that they are. But... No, I was, I, was, I was kind of going a little bit too far with my, my thought process there. You okay. are completely right. Yeah. You are completely right. Kids we, are pretty well adjusted. The kids are pretty adjusted, especially since they are being introduced to, let's be honest here, a lot of things right out of their monster yeah. handbook. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Nightcrawler looks like a devil. Yeah. Uh, mask, his skin is hanging off of his body. And actually, he, I, yeah, and he it, just does terrifying gestures yeah. and attacks on people. Oh, he's actually, uh, I think I remember from other comics that I've read of him, he's just a horrible person. Horrible. He's just, horrible. there's like nothing redeeming about him at and, all. And I mean, you know, Ape looks fine, but then Ape can just turn into these weird shapes. And yeah, weird, they've got clear they've got pink. Classy kind of stuff. Got this black ooze over his body. Yeah. The kids are in the sewers and they're being just surrounded by these strange. I mean, it is the worst. It's the worst homeless camp that you could ever wander into. Stranger danger times (laughs) two thousand. Yeah. So once again, you know these these kids, these kids that we love and these kids that we really like, they are just surrounded by horrors. Ah. They continue. (laughs) It's just like oh, it's a it's a kid comic about stuff, except they're being kidnapped and this guy's gonna murder them and all this like their parents are gonna have their minds. What it's like? What is going on? Nothing is happy here. And why do we like this book? 
because it deals with all this it stuff. Does, it deals yeah. with it very well. Yeah, it really does tie the, uh, it's like, yeah, these are kids and this is the world they're in. And luckily they have a good family structure because they can kind of deal with it. They're dealing with it together too. Yeah. I think the fact that they are together and that they are working through this together, that helps a lot. I mean, gosh, what would happen if one of the kids was separated from the other ones and had to deal with the stuff by themselves? Ah, uh, it would be rough. It would be like the next issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler. Right. You are right. I have read that far. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the library card because mm-hmm. there is a definite, definite, definite uh, library card we can pull out here talking about the Morlocks yep. right out of the time machine. Each yep. well, Um So the Morlocks were created by... Chris Claremont and artist Paul Smith, they were named after the subterranean race of the same name that was in the H.G. Wells novel, The Time Machine. Now, Wells used these characters as stand-ins for the descendants of humanity, those who live underground. They start off as a mystery, but then they eventually become the antagonist of that story. They go, we can go really deep into this. I'm going to skim over it because we're already going pretty long anyways. Mm -hmm. This is a real class hatred story, which defines what the Morlocks are. I and mean, they're living below New York City, a bit of a jewel of the East Coast, if you will, and they're living in the dregs underneath. I mean, they're you can almost say that they're even worse than the homeless. Yeah. Because they're despised and they're living in the sewers. They are mutates. They definitely have their own hatred of the surface dwellers. The closest people that they could be with is the X-Men. Mm-hmm. But they even look at the X-Men as being a higher class. Yeah. The X-Men, they live in a palatial estate. They have a mansion they live in. They have a SR-71 Blackbird they fly around mm-hmm. with. They've got a tricked out basketball court to the <laughs> store said SR-71 Blackbird. They have money. They have influence. Yes, they're hated and feared by everybody, but the Morlocks are too, and the Morlocks are living underground with nothing. Yeah, on scraps. On scraps. So there is a definite parallel there. Now, in the Marvel Universe, the Morlocks are mostly introduced as a society choosing to live away from the humans. While the majority may not actively harm or hurt humans, there are stories and earlier X-Men ones where certain groups are taking stuff from the upper world. We mentioned earlier that there was a story where the Morlocks took Kitty Pride and they tried to force her to marry Caliban. That's kind of how the X-Men first found out about the Morlocks. So it's definite class battle, preying upon the weak. So that's the Morlocks. Let's talk about Science Corner. Okay. I'm sure that there's a sewer-dwelling version of Science Corner, but all we've got right now is just the basement version. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So for this Science Corner, let's talk about uh, one of the Morlocks that we encountered, and his name is Erg. And he has an eye patch and energy powers, and I want to explain why his name is so fitting for his character. Please do. Okay, you see, he says that he has an electric eye, and both of these words tie into his name and the description that I just gave of him. For the electric part, an erg is a unit of energy and work equal to 10 to the negative power of 7 joules. This is the amount of work done by a force of one dyne exerted for a distance of one centimeter. An approximation of this is the amount of work done, or energy consumed, by one common housefly performing one push-up. As for the eye part, ERG stands for electroretinography, which is an eye test used to detect an abnormal function of the retina. Uh, Specifically, in this test, the light-sensitive cells of the eye, the rods, the cones, and their connecting ganglion cells in the retina are examined. So, erg is energy. Erg is an eye test. This man has an eye that's electric. Electric eye. Erg. His name fits in many different ways. That is kind of amazingly cool, and I am very curious to know if that is actually 
how they came up with his name. I want to know too. I bet it was just along the lines they were going, uh, he's got energy powers. Uh, Erg is a unit of energy. We'll just use that. I bet that's what it was, but it would be really cool if they're like, hey, wait a minute. Well, let's you know, give him an eye patch. Let's give him an electric eye. You know, since we're such good friends with June Brain. <laughs> such good friends. For example, we talked to her for an hour once. <laughs> She's answered a couple of emails. She's great. She's really great. She was fantastic. fun. She was fun to talk to. She was really fun. That is awesome. I do like that, and I think it's fantastic that you figured that out about his name. Yeah. That all being said, I want you to turn your eye inward, my friend, okay. and give me some final thoughts. <laughs> you know, I didn't do a little tricky thing for the, the science corner, but I still managed I to turn it around right there on you. No, you see, that was the thing. I was waiting for the tricky, you know, the tricky, oh, and that'll <laughs> lead us right. You know, we're going down the sewers, and the Kitty Pride then just no, walks no. right into science corner. Instead, it was just like, you know, science corner time. I'm like, where's the trick, mister? It's when we went to Final Thought, Bill. You never know when it's coming. <laughs> you never know, you when, never know when it's coming. coming. So, on Final Thought Land... We talk about a few things, including refrigerator galleries. Mm -hmm. What piece of art in the book needs to be on the family refrigerator? Jeff, what is your comedy backup? Okay, well, as you know, I usually end up doing a, uh, a joke one. And so, yeah, I've got a joke one. And my joke one is on page 17, and I call it All the Action! It's in the upper right-hand corner, <laughs> and it just shows Erg with his hands flailing around, and he's doing some sort of weird jig dance, shooting an energy ball at the floor that's exploding while Kitty Pride jumps through a wall. Kurt teleports with a bamf. Lockheed is flying, Jack's a cloud, Alex is pushing Katie out of the way. It's just everything is happening in this panel all at once. And Erg just looks weird because he's just a tall, lanky man dancing a weird dance while to, shooting energy balls. To be fair, the problem, the thing is, is that the, he is really upset because yeah. he has got the worst headache in the world after taking a jackhammer to the back of the skull. I still say he should be dead. I saw that. I'm like, well, Jack just killed a man and he don't care. Oh, Erg's back. Okay, I guess and Jack didn't kill him. He's mad. Yeah. He's like, hey, guess what? Energy beam for everybody. No, we're going to give up now. No, energy beam for everybody. I just got hit in the head by a child. You get an energy beam. You, you get, get an energy beam. beam. Well, let's move forward four pages from my backup because my backup one is on page 21 and it is called Sad Leech. Oh. Oh, Leech is super sad. Leech is super sad. The kitten even knows that he's sad yeah. and is trying to cheer him up. So. The picture here is Leech is looking down and downcast, but he's kind of face forward towards the camera, if you will. You see Annalise back as she's got his back turned to him. Leech has the kitten up to his shoulder and his head. You can see a tear coming down Leech's face as the kitten is, is trying to lick the tear. And Annalise is saying, no, Leech is ugly. Annalise wants her pretty darlings. Yeah. That... And uh, I just, I was going through here and I saw that and it's just... It's harsh. It's, it is it's, super harsh. But it's, it's once again, I really do like Leech. I cannot say enough how much I do like this yeah. kid. And here's the thing on the kitten, either trying to cheer him up, or, like you were saying earlier, cats feed on suffering, and that's what the cat is feasting on right now. Fantastic read into that picture. <laughs> it's just like the kittens are like, your tears, your sorrow, feed me your suffering. I will be your friend forever. Yes. You are full of suffering. Yes, I, the demon tiger, the cat, will feed off of your eternal suffering. Woe be unto you, leech, dweller of the sewers. You shall live here and weep, and I shall Feed. So speaks Captain Tiger, the orange tabby kitten. I was going to say something like, you know, Tiger the... 
<laughs> Tiger the Doom Cat. <laughs> the Doom Kitten. But no, I like yours first. <laughs> Known as the Suffrager in three lands. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. What's your backup? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over Leech. Leech is super sad in that one. Yeah, and even just yeah, the uh, the imagery of yours, though, is great because Annalise's back is turned on. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, it's, there everything a, about this is, yeah, is just a perfect message. That there is, is a lot going on to that panel. And once again, June Brigman, we love your art. She kicks it out the door, man. She does she, a good job. It is the smallest panel on that page. It and is. it is the most that's in there. So, fantastic. What is your backup, sir? My backup is on page three on the bottom left, and I call it Firelight. It shows the uh, power children uh, getting ready to be attacked. You know, they've just been kind of jumped by the Morlocks and they're in orange light. You know, it's all, they're holding on to Katie and so it's just her light is uh, covering them and casting shadows really tall on them and they all look like they're like, oh my goodness, we're going to be attacked. This is terrifying and Katie is being pulled, you know, pulled into Julie, you know, pulled into Julie being hugged by her because she's just terrified. But the, uh, I just love the coloration of it and the fact that uh, Katie's light is what's casting their shadows and it's, and it's this orange and yellow colors and I saw it, it's like, that looks like firelight and I thought that was great. I kind of almost miss that one a little bit because the next one is also amazing yep. it's that's the four morlocks just being creepy and coming at them i mean you have ape's hand actually breaking the panel of the page going forward towards the kid yeah with the cracked nails yeah. and everything and it's filling up about like an eighth of the panel and it's just like you know and he's all like can we take him now piper can we that's not even a, that's not even yeah that's just relating right. to it but yeah, yeah that's, but no yeah. that's it's good 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 choice i like that a lot i'm gonna go back to page 19 for my top one i'm batman <laughs> I was really seriously looking at this one. So this, uh, this one, was, this was this was almost a backup yeah. for mine. It was great, but it just lost out to Firelight. So uh, we've got Piper here who has zoopathy, which is I'm, I'm not kidding, zoopathy, zoo telepathy. <laughs> so by blowing his little pipe, he can call different animals. We saw him with the alligators last issue. This issue, we see him with bats. So this one, we've got his face on the just taking up the left-hand corner of the page. Once again, June Brigman is breaking the fourth wall plane of the of the panel with yeah. his fingers. As Pinky's hanging out. As Pinky's hanging out, and he's tooting a little tune, and you see bats just coming down the, the cave. So, I'm Batman. He is Batman. Yeah, like I said, this was one that I, I kept on going back to do a go. Yeah. This should make my list somewhere. I'm like, oh, it's super good, but it's not quite. Yeah, there's a there was a lot of need. There's a lot of need. One, yeah. What you got is your number one, my friend. My number one is on page 16, and it's in the bottom left hand corner, and I call it Electric Eye because it's Erg again. It's Erg again. <laughs> yep. It's Erg shoot power blast at the power kids, and he zaps the floor a lot, and he destroys floor. But he's got uh, again. There's just awesome shadowing on it, and he Erg loves to just throw his hands up like a mega villain and just flail them about. <laughs> So it just, it just looks great. It's all about Erg with you this issue. I love Erg. Erg, 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 Erg. Erg. Yeah. Erg, <laughs> Erg is really the Marsha of this uh, issue for me. I absolutely love Erg. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know why I love him. I just think he's just he's just neat. And uh, also, it's just the way that the uh, energy beam that he shoots out of his eye, it's different than any other energy beam that I've seen. Because it's just, it's just, it's I, it's not even like a lightning bolt. It's just this yellow zigzagging and crisscrossing zigzag. Very similar, though, to Katie Powers. Yeah, it, it, is, it is similar. It is, very, it is similar, but hers usually is much more... Here, this will be handy. It's more of a zoo, whoosh! You know, like it shoots a direction and then it kind of spins over another area. This, this is, It also looks super yeah, erratic, this is, except this is, like mega that. This is closer to almost like a lightning bolt erratic kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Except like just multi, like a layered lightning bolt. It just, yeah, it's it's just cool looking. But yeah, I just thought it, every time I was going through, I'm like, what's my number one? I'm like, that's great. And I flipped through. I'm like, ooh, bats. And then I'm like, man, that one's really great. And then, oh, what about this one? Oh, that's neat. 
oh, oh, er, oh. and it's just like, yeah, this. So this was my number one because I just kept on going back to it. Speaking of Brady Bunch, though, yeah, rubber and glue moment. Rubber and glue. <laughs> So, Chaps and applesauce. What was the best or most childish insult of this issue, my friend? Okay, my backup is on page eight and is a Jack one. Really? Yes, Jack. Jack. Yep, Jack gets the backup. Uh, and it kind of to give you a little bit of idea of what's going on is when uh, Ape has captured Julie in a jar, and Jack's coming in to go save her. And Jack and Julie's all, "Jack, get back! He's too dangerous." And Jack's all, "He's too dumb to be dangerous." I just love the fact that he's saying that Ape's too dumb to be dangerous. And then as, he is as he's being captured. captured. Yeah, very nice, very yeah, nice. He's just immediately captured by him. I'm like, that's great, just saying somebody's too dumb to do anything to well, you, and then they do. So. I, I'm going to just follow this right up with a couple pages beforehand. Mm-hmm. And speaking about another Jack line to Ape, and this is on the top panel of page six, and it's a Jack line. So if you would be so kind, my friend. I will be so kind. That's what you think, monkey lips. <laughs> Well, yeah, it is got, it is an ape, and, and ape does and, have monkey lips. He's got monkey lips. Yeah, um, yeah. ape is a little. He's a homely looking dude. Yeah, I do love his toque. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it does. It says I love New York. It's no, great. it doesn't. It says I heart NY. Oh, <laughs> I heart me. I heart me. I heart me. I love that. <laughs> I have I have my coffee cup at home from New York. I heart NY. Yeah, that's I, I wanted to have that. So, um, what do you got for your top one? My top one is on page two on the Uh-oh. bottom left, Uh-oh. and oh, and it is a Katie line. Oh, we have we have Yay! a double. And so, my, I will uh, ask my daughter to say this lovely line. Yeah. All right, pig nose. Can you see them now? Yeah, there you go, Carrie. Get it. Yeah, good one, Katie. That one's just because it's just like she is just really stepping up her game and calling him pig nose. Yeah, a little light bright. Yeah, she's leaning over there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on. I mean, let's move on and talk about stars in detention. We okay. want to identify the child that's the best and identify the child that's the worst in the issue. Radio. This was really close. And yeah, it's I was not having a hard time with yeah, this one. It's not because everybody was bad. It's everybody did about the same level of stuff. Yeah. Everybody kind of saved everybody else. Uh-huh. And then everybody kind of got captured. I, I think it's going to come down to um, who didn't do as much as the others. Yeah. That's where I was at. And I, I have two people that really tied for, I think, my top level. Because I think they were they were gaining a little bit more leadership. Okay. And then I have one person who was just like, I, I think it comes up with that person just not doing enough. So who's yours? My... Uh, a detention child and it's just because they have to be in there is katie i got the same one yeah. i was i was curious if we we're gonna get the same one yeah um i, I mean think... there, there was an entire fight where jack just floated around as a cloud yeah but uh yeah it, he still did some stuff it was and it literally was i went through and i'm all uh they did this they did this they did this okay so everybody's got that now about this they everybody did the same I, I, and i think he was uh, she was just like one shy I th- I of think, everybody I think, else's i think actions. we've got katie's biggest contribution to this is she was the light of the issue that was, was it she, she provided was, yeah. illumination which is not nothing i when the kids are being attacked the first time, I'm like, why didn't she attack there? She seemed well, the least effective. She attacked, Erg caught it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, Erg was attacking Nightcrawler, and Katie caught Erg's right. eye blast. So but she, it, so she, she technically, quote unquote, yeah, saved. I, 
Kurt. Just, she also disintegrated Alex's bonds. It just there was there was a lot of times I was just looking like she, she, it's nothing else. It's just that she did just a little less than everybody. Else. Exactly. Yeah. It was who did a little bit more than everybody else. In mine, uh, the star is Julie. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too hard to figure yeah. that one out. She actually kind of like learned the plot of yes. what was happening. She grabbed the cat, had a heart to heart with the uh, leech. Yep. And well, she even says, I talked with leech. Well, kind of. Yeah. Because leech speak. <laughs> no. <laughs> leech lonely. That's Le- probably yeah. what he said. Well, yeah. he also said, uh, you know, uh, lonely like Annalie yeah. and, or sad like her. And, and, and Julie's like, what does she have to be sad about? And then yeah. off panel, we're assuming there was a bunch of monosyllabic uh, explanation yeah. of how she, her kids she, it was. It was her plan. Uh, she was the one who was directing Jack to, you know, watch out. Yeah. She was Turn giving to a cloud. Yeah. Don't, she was yeah. giving a lot of good leadership mm-hmm. here. And, I, and my second place right behind her actually was Jack, because I thought that Jack was doing some pretty oh, good okay. leadership too. <laughs> he's the one that got him out of the bonds. You know, he's he's the one who got himself yeah. out first. It, the, I thought that he, well, was he doing, yeah he got Julie free. Yeah, and, 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 and he was back. doing and he was doing a couple of other things too. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of I saw them as real leaders, mm-hmm. and then it just was like okay, on the other side, which one's worse, Alex? It's funny though that we both had the same kind of feelings, and we're yeah. like, okay, well, we both got the same kids, mm-hmm. so that's the way we see things. Yep. Speaking of Alex, because he hasn't yeah. done much, but. All right, let's talk about G's, baby. <laughs> we want to count the number of G's Alex drops during the comic and determine what the scientific equation is. Okay, well, um, let's just say that uh, we now have a uh, G average of 2.7, uh, which is, again, out of the amusement park. And it's uh, let's still do a space theme with that. Sure. So uh, 2.17 for the G average is about two times uh, the G forces that the Saturn V uh, moon rocket experienced after launch. Okay. And uh, our total is 26 Gs. Now, total of 26 Gs, you might have remembered that from two issues ago when we actually had a comic, because that was 26 then, which means that Alex dropped zero Gs. Hmm. And scientifically speaking, do you know where you can find zero Gs, Rick? No, I don't. Where can I find zero Gs, Jeff? Well, you can find them here in this parody. I can see what's happened here. You didn't say your catchphrase, and it's weird. You don't even know we take a drink. When you say your character's name, I think. We wish you would say your character's catchphrase so that we could drink our beer. We wish you would say your character's catchphrase and we would tip our pints back here. No catchphrase, no catchphrase, no catchphrase. No G's. How much singing this entire pot? <laughs> Why? I'll cover that in the mm. shout out section of why there is so much in this one. Fine. Top grades. We want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. We have got 11 before this. Yes, we do. And so we need to uh, we need to go ahead and rank this bad boy. It gets harder and harder to rank these because I like all of them. Now we have to start thinking about, we can start looking at these stories and see where they fit into the entire scheme of things, mm-hmm. how much we enjoy the story. I'm going to be honest with you, I really like this story. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I love the introduction of all of these characters. It's all of a sudden a whole bunch of Marvel insanity. It is tying them into the greater Marvel world in New York. Specifically specifically the X-Universe yeah, the, of yeah, Chris the, Claremont yeah, the and the world. X-Men. So, you know, we, we have got the X-Men in here now, and it's just chock full of it. I think it's a good story. I think there is real danger for the kids. I think that the characterization of the kids, the characterization of everybody in this comic book is really tight. Um, 
I mean, this is going to go up near the top for me. Oh wow! I'm 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 very happy putting it somewhere in the top three that we've got. I, mm-hmm. I, I I'm looking at the top of the list, okay. so it's it's getting where where you think. I mean, uh, top three of the list. We have the first issue of uh, number three. We've got the first issue, which is Power Play. In our second place, we've got number three, where the kids get kidnapped, and number four, we've got the rescue. Um, let's see, kidnap is the one where it's Jack. Yeah, it's the Jack episode. It's the Jack episode. On, uh, yeah, in the it, Snark in ship. The, in the Snark ship. And then the first one we've got, number four, Rescue. That's where the kids all rescue themselves. And it's the big fight they have on the on the, on the the ship. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is we have a real action-packed issue. All three of those are action-packed issues. I could kind of put it... I think I could put it in the uh, new ranked four place, just over Fishtail and just under Power Play. Okay. You still yeah. th- think that uh, Power Play is a little bit better? Power Play is pretty great, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the intro one. It's got a lot of stuff going on. It introduces the uh, the powers and the space and everything that's going. On. Kind of the meta plot yeah. for the for the power pack. It, it's kind of interesting because uh, looking at what else we got up there. I mean, kidnapped where this issue is. This is kind of like issue number two of a three issue arc. Mm-hmm. So is kidnapped and number issue number four. That was the final of that of that kind of mm-hmm. first four issues run. Five is kind of the one that wrapped it up. So putting this one up there in that ranking, I. I it makes sense that it goes up that high, but mm-hmm. it's interesting that we have the mid-range story yeah, so high up. We have so many of them that are up it's, there. Yeah, right? So it's the Empire Strikes Back is always up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're saying that this is going to be our new number four, huh? Do you? Uh, where do you think you would you would like to? Um, go? Like I said, I I could see it anywhere actually in the top three. I. I would actually say myself, I could put it actually above Kidnapped. I would almost say that wow, this is the second. Wow, you put it in the new two? I could put this in the new two, and I, if you were a little more interested, I could probably put it above one, but you were saying the new number four, so I would be happy, you know, moving it up one or two spots at least to number two or number three. Okay. Uh... Do you like, uh, well, let's let's just meet in the middle and we can make it the... Number uh, third? The number three. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it the new number three. All so right. So it just uh, dethroned, you know, Power Pack Volume 1, number one, Power Play. Which I think is good. Yeah. I, I I like the first issue. There's a lot there, but I, well, I think... it's a double issue, and so, yeah, it was introducing their world. But, I mean, here we we have we have another issue that's introducing a lot of people. So. Yep. All right. The, yep. We got it then. Okay. That's, that's our new number three. Yep. Issue number 12 is the new number three. Way to go, whatever this was called. <laughs> Underground. Underground. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've got a list of names in front of me. I'm like, yep, that whatever we read isn't on there. Now, let's talk about beer. Before we, you know, give me your final rank on this beer, I gave you a challenge, my friend. You did. There are three things that I was matching this beer to. Okay. Well, uh, one is a cat, because there is a cat. There is a cat. Yeah, so that's a gimme. Two, you give it. You gave this to me, mm-hmm. which is, this is called uh, Noneko. Yep. Uh, which means Wednesday cat. And we record our show on? Wednesday. Okay. So cat, Wednesday. Yep. So there's one and two. Uh, the third one, I I could either just say, because uh, it's a Noneko, and if you just go no, I know, Rick, uh, I know that Rick doesn't like cats, so we can say <laughs> no cats. But I don't think that's it. So what I think the third one is going to be is in regards to the Yoho Brewing Company. Because uh, Yoho, yo, Yoho nope. for the piratey swashbuckly Kurt Wagner. Nope. I would go ahead and turn you back to page number five. In your Bible, sir. Turn to page number five. <laughs> and we have a little story. Oh, oh, oh you clever dog. You. And we have a little story that mm-hmm. uh, Kitty Pride is telling her friend Caliban as she's presenting him with a gift. Yes. She has just gotten back from Japan. Japan. And she is providing a gift to Caliban of a sushi shirt yes, from Japan. from Japan. 
Japan, which he so, loves. And this beer is, is from, from Japan. Japan. Nagano, Japan. I bought this beer with the knowledge that we had uh, a few issues that we're going to be dealing with this cat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know quite where I was going to put it in. And then I put it in here and I realized, oh, this works out even yeah, it better. Yeah, that worked out great. The more fantastic. I looked at it, the more I was like, oh, this is working out quite well. So <laughs> what do you think of it, though? What do you think of this beer? Uh, it's it's tasty. It, it Again, it isn't one that I'd go to normally, uh, but it's got a great flavor to it. It's yep. uh, the coriander you can really taste. It's very light. It's very, it's a great, for, it's mm-hmm. kind of warm down here right now. It's hot out yep. and it's it's refreshing. So it's, uh, I'd give it a, a good four. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the four. I I agree. It's one of these beers that's perfect for exactly the time of year that we're in right yep. now. Um, for being a nice light beer, it's got some good taste. It's got some good flavor. So we'll give you four hey. Powerballs. It's kid perspective time. I'm gonna go ahead and step out the door, have a little conversation with my daughter, ask her some questions about it, and um, so take it away, me and Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you today? Good. What did you think about this issue of Power Pack? Well, as the same as the last one, it did take place a lot in the sewers. Yes, it did. And who did they meet? Kitty, Bride, and Nightcrawler. That's right. Who else did they meet? Leech and Annalie Orlock. That's right. There's a whole lot of characters that you met, isn't there? Yeah. Which one treated uh, the Power Kids the nicest? The X-Men, Nightcrawler, and Kitty Pride. Yep. And Lockheed. Don't forget Lockheed. Oh, yeah. That cute little dragon. I mean, that fierce little dragon. Nice, nice. Let's, let's talk about the X-Men, then. When I was a kid, I really liked the X-Men. Did you like them? Yeah. What did you like about them? Well, they helped out the Power Kids a lot. What do you think of Nightcrawler? He was able to go through walls and it would make loud noise. Yeah, he could teleport, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what was the noise that he makes when he teleports? Bam. Kitty Pride can walk through walls too, right? Yeah. You're going to be seeing them again in next issue because we're going to be going into X-Men next issue. But what did yeah. you think about the Morlocks? They weren't nice. No. No, they're not. Why were they being so mean to Power Pack? They wanted Annalie to have them. Yeah, and why did Annalie want to have them as her kids? Because her other kids died. Yeah, that's pretty sad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Speaking of kids, you met another kid in this issue, right? Leech. Leech. What did you think of Leech? He was cute. He's cute? Especially when he rubs his face against the kitty. Is he kind of sad, though? Yeah. Why is he sad? Because he has no one to live with but Annalie. And, and Annalie did not, does not love him. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, so that's why they handed over the kitty for him. That was pretty sweet, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Plus, they found the perfect person, and they were just hoping for someone. What do you think about the ending? It was Annalie. Mm-hmm. She saw the light on them, and she was going to go after them in the next issue. Yeah. Is there any pictures that you really liked in this issue? I kind of liked the picture where Caliban got um, <laughs> this shirt that says sushi from Kitty Pride. Yeah? It's just a very cute picture? Yeah. That's a good choice, Carrie. Why did you like it so much? Because um, everybody was happy in that picture, and it was really cool. think that is a very good choice. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I love you. I love you, too. Thank you very much. Mm. It's shout-out time. 
We like to recognize those listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review. The Irredeemable Shag writes, Love your show so much. Your enthusiasm and positive attitude makes this show so much fun. The segments are inspired and your listeners demand more singing. Oh, it's your fault? Oh, I am yep. going to talk to you tomorrow night, Shag, and we are going to have some words. Yep. And so, yeah, Shag, you wanted more singing? Guess what? I put in more singing just for you. Ah. <laughs> Shag also left us another message on our website for episode 11. Let me just say this. It's really awesome to have such a great resource like this fan listening to our show. And thank you to Tim Price, who left us a very nice five-star review on iTunes. He points out our long lyrical lines of alliteration and encourages everyone to costumes on before listening. Also, thanks to Positive Zane for the two-star review on iTunes. Um, let me see here. Um, negative, negative... Change the format. Annoying. Thinks we hate the comic. Ah, um, he really likes the quality of our production and sound. Well, thanks for that positive comment. We appreciate it, and thanks for listening. Big thank you to Hub from Tighten Up the Defense and Dan from WMQ Comics for giving us a nice comment in WMQ's first pod people interview of Hub. You should check out WMQ's website. There are some really great articles on there. And speaking of guest appearances, be sure to check out my appearance on Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. I'm going to be talking about the Power Pack Thor crossover event with the Beyonder. I got a chance to talk to them. It's a really great podcast. I really enjoyed doing that show, and I was happy with the final result. It was published earlier this month. Check it out. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the power of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next week, costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action, also featured in this episode of Space Explorers. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incopitech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3 Joiner License. They do escape their ordeal and rescue the kid. Phrasing. <laughs> Phrasing. Sitting on Kitty's shoulder. <clears throat> Sitting. Well, the X-Men arrive and start to exchange pleasantries with the underground dwelling des- Denizens. 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 Denny's in. Denny's in? Denny's in. <laughs> Which, who's that? Which one's that? <laughs> Denatalo. Oh. Denitello. Denitello. The intelligent tweedle. Let's just start all over. Well, the X-Men arrive. <clears throat> Dang it, just phlegmy. I'm sure it's always just a pleasure to edit me. Who in turn? Nurk. Nurks. Nurk. 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 Nurk.